welcome to another episode of the Geek and I podcast. This week's a special edition of the Geek and I podcast, our Halloween episode. And here's my co-host, the ever dapper Jeff Dickinson from the Collector Zone on YouTube. Thank you guys for having me back on this wonderful Halloween show. <laughs> I, th I think you're overreacting a little bit there. This episode of the Geek and I uh, podcast, we are part of the Geek News Now podcast network. You can find them online, geeknewsnow.net. That is where you get all your geeky information, news, and polls to find out where you stand and what your ultimate geekdom is. We are sponsored by Sumner Twins Talent. Find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sumner Twins. And we are also sponsored by Metallic Dice Games. For everything you need for your gaming experience, use code GNN at checkout and save 10%. And you can find us, the Geek and I podcast with John and Jeff at facebook.com slash Geek and I podcast. So, Jeff, who do we have uh, on this special Halloween edition of the Geek and I podcast? <laughs> Today, we have Hollywood horror royalty. Something wicked this way comes. The madman himself, G. Larry Butler. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hello, uh, folks. I, Jeff, I don't know if you think you're getting paid extra for that, but uh, <laughs> I, I'll put an extra piece of uh, candy in your in your trick or treat bag for that one. Yeah, it's I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> so, Mr. Butler, how are you, sir? Oh, great! I'm still still alive. I'm still breathing. That's the main thing. Yes, that's. Oh. That's always a good thing when the toes are pointed uh, horizontal and not vertical, I guess, right? Yes, every day is a good day. <laughs> I wake up and, you know, greet the world. I check the obituary problem to see if the obituary column to see if I'm in it. <laughs> so well, I usually double check the silver alert to make sure my name's not being announced. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, so you know, misspelled. Tell us a little bit about yourself for those folks out in the audience that uh, might not know you as well as Jeff does. How do I begin? I ran away from home at the age of four. Uh, police chief brought me home and scolded my mother for scolding me. So I would never ran away again. And I uh, began acting in elementary school. I used to write my own plays. Uh, I used to act with a group of uh, other would-be actors. And uh, then I went to summer camp and did some performances. And uh, then I promptly forgot all about it. In high school, I got very shy. In college, I went out for a play uh, just to try my luck and uh, found out I got the role and was too scared to go and do the play. And, uh, and that was the end of that. And so I didn't become an actor until I was 35 and um, was working in the salvage yard and uh, everybody told me I was very funny because I, I was doing a little stand-up comedy at night and uh, they said you need an agent so I was so green I didn't even know what an agent was but I 
did find out where to go. And and since I was working in the salvage yard, I had a beard. I had uh, grimy fingers and hands. And she, the woman who, uh, you know, interviewed me actually climbed the chair to get away from me. She was that terrified of me. So uh, they made me shave the beard off. They taught me how to use a knife and fork and stop dragging my knuckles when I walked. And I started getting work right away. So, um, yeah, I started out in comedy. I did a lot of commercials, a lot of print. Denver at the time was the print capital of the world. So I did a lot of international things. Uh, Started doing regional commercials and national, became Ford national spokesman, uh, Coors Beer national spokesman. And then I uh, got a movie called The Women's Club that uh, Warner Brothers came to town from Hollywood. And so I got the biggest role anybody ever had in Denver. Worked with Maude Adams, Michael Pere, and Eddie Velez, who were big at the time. This was the mid-80s. And then I came to Hollywood on the strength of that. That was my breakthrough role. And then, then I found out how hard it really was. <laughs> Not easy in Hollywood. So a lot of people come from all over, you know, different states. And they find out, you know, it's a revolving door. They usually go home in six months. They come with stars in their eyes, and they go home with their... Uh, dragging their tail between their legs. But I would not do it. I swore that I would never leave no matter how hard it got. So I've been here over 30 years. And it, it's a little easier now to get work than it was when I was started. But I still did a lot of TV projects and things like that. And worked with a lot of uh, great actors like Richard Chamberlain, Raymond Burr, uh, John um, Ritter, uh, John Denver. Uh, oh, you name it. I, I could go on and on. I don't have the list in front of me, but I just finished a movie with um, Courtney Gaines, who was uh, the star of uh, Children of the Corn, mm-hmm. and uh, he was in Back to the Future. and That was the thrill. So anyway, but uh, you want to know more about uh, my private life? or? Well, you know, um, you had mentioned that um, it's easier to get work now. Is it is that because of your resume is easier makes it easier now to get work or is it because there's just everybody and their uncle is making tv shows and putting it on their streaming service which you know is it is it is it a combination of of both or i'd like to think so everybody at my age is dead so i'm the only one left that's probably (laughs) more like it we, we need an old guy. Uh, yeah. G. Larry. Larry's available. Let's call him. So it <laughs> seems like for every wrinkle I get, and I get another job. You know, and uh, but it might be all three. Um, yeah, because, you know, uh, a lot of people won't stop acting. And as long as I'm still, you know, not too frail, even if I'm frail, tie me to a chair, give me a line, and I'm in. <laughs> you know? It, it, once you get the bug, you never want to quit. It's like uh, Eli Wallach. Um, who's some of the other older actors? Uh, you, um, Ernest Borgnine, um, Mickey Rooney. Well, you know, yeah. there was one person that had come to mind when I first met you. We had a long conversation. It was about Vincent Price. He was one of my horror heroes. Can you please? Share the story you shared with me about the madman himself, Vincent Price. I'd be glad to. Yeah. I first met Vincent Price in 1986 in Orlando, Florida. I was a aspiring poet, even though I 
I despised poetry in high school, you know, the way they taught it, all about butterflies and flowers and stuff. I said, if I want to be do, do poetry, I want people to sit up and take notice and, you know, uh, pee their pants. Uh, so I, I did a whole book. I published a book uh, on the strength of a, uh, a poem I wrote called Here Lies Madness. It has to do with politics. It might be apropos to the times, but it was done in the 80s, the, the Reagan era. And so um, a lot of people would complain about things quietly, but they're afraid to take action on it. So I thought, I'm going to write a poem about people who are the silent majority. And so I entered a contest. It was called The World of Poetry. And uh, I won one of the grand prizes. And Vincent actually gave it to me. He was the one that presented it to me. And uh, he said, well, uh, I didn't I wasn't able to get a picture with him because I tried to give my camera to another person who was on the stage. I think Myra Angelou, but she didn't know how to work the camera or something. <laughs> and so uh, I didn't get a picture. And he said, don't worry. In a couple of days, we'll get another picture because it was a week long thing. But uh, I had to go back. I had to fly back and do a pickup on a commercial I just run. So I missed the rest of the poetry convention. I never got my picture of Vincent Price. Really upset me greatly. But I think one of these days I'll find somebody who took a picture. I think it was the Orlando Free Press or something or one of the newspapers. And then uh, it, was a, it was quite a gentleman, um, not like you see him on screen. And uh, he was very delightful, actually. And he's a poet himself, very literate person. And then when I um, got a role in a movie called Frankenstein versus the Creature from Blood Cove, the director told me, you're going to be the new Vincent Price. Right? I see something in you that reminds me of him. And while I was doing the movie, they did a special surprise appearance of Vincent Price as a ghost. They had somebody in a mask, you know, and, and created kind of a ghostly appearance. And that was pretty special. So I, I guess we're, I've interacted with Vincent a few times in my life and he encouraged me to continue. And that's why I wrote the book. That was my first poem. And I recently published a, a book called Here Lies Madness and Jeff has it. And uh, I, I can read you the poem if you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Just, um, oh, I need my spectacles. Um, this is something that I wrote in 1986. So it's been a while, but see, it might be appropriate for today's uh, times. I used to know it by heart, but when I used to do uh, readings all around Los Angeles, reason runs riot, justice howls at the moon. I've been found insane, it seems, for I whistle another tune. Sitting here so passively, I know that I'm not well. I'm afraid to confront the patriots that are taking us straight to hell. I've worried, I've whimpered, I've wrestled with the truth, as it seems to me. To grope, to gripe, to grovel, it takes a true conspiracy. What's right, I scream in silence, is it you or is it me? To protect and preserve our values is a great responsibility. I'm pointed to and scoffed at. My God, man, are you mad? No, by Jove, I'm truly sane. It's the rest that have gone bad. Why have you turned the tables and made righteousness seem so wrong? You've lost that sense of virtue 
that we fought for all along. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, excellent. That is that is excellent. Anyway, it, it, like you said, it it feels like it could be written today. Yes, it's timely. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to choose sides or anything. But whatever side you're on, get out there and vote and right. make your voice heard. Mm-hmm. Don't just sit there and complain silently to yourself or to your neighbor. Get out there and do something about it. Mm-hmm. You don't like things, yeah, right? And it, you know, it's like it's like you know what you don't you don't like the food I put on the table. There's the kitchen. That's right. Go make it yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. So, who who are the some of the other um, big names? Like, was growing up was was Vincent Price one of of like an like an icon that you looked oh. up to? Who who else um, was there? Absolutely. Uh, well, in, in your in your circle, we got our TV in fifty three, one of the first on our block. You know, uh, so. Um, I used to grow up watching a lot of uh, Westerns. Westerns were big back then, um, but I never worked with anybody. Uh, I've met some, you know, uh, some of them. But um, the one uh, that I remember the most was uh, Richard Chamberlain. I never thought I'd get to work with him, but I did a movie called uh, uh, Dream West. I think the title was where he plays uh, General Fremont who uh, explores the route to uh, the Rockies. And uh, I play one of his cavalry officers. And uh, he was just coming off a, a film called um, Solomon's Mines, King Solomon's Mines. So he was a little, um, he was on some kind of medication. So he's a little more uh, brash than he used, than he was. Normally. Uh, if I, I, I use that word because I don't know what else to say, but... Uh, everybody didn't know that he was gay at the time. He's since come out. But at the time, he was, you know, really chasing men all over the place. Um, and they were allowing it. But uh, that was kind of a shock to some of us. But anyway, no matter what, we liked him and we wanted to work with him. And I got six pictures with him with a camera that you threaded. Uh, you know, the old side camera that you had to insert and it, and, it, and it went around and around and around. But mine, somehow the when I threaded it, it didn't hold. So it flipped, 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 flipped. <laughs> I got no pictures. I was really upset when I got home and found that out. But 30 years later, I met Richard in a, in a convention and we got our picture after 30 years and I've got it on my wall. So I was really delighted. And uh, he remembered me been a long time but and then uh somebody else that i was really uh uh really i idolized it was richard uh not richard raymond raymond burr from perry mason mm-hmm. and uh so i i did three movies with him uh i had a scene with him on one movie and um so i got to work with him and uh, robert Guillaume was another person you probably remember and uh, uh, Richard, uh, no, not Richard, David Hasselhoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, uh, yeah. And then, I mean, this is unbelievable story. Um, you remember Spartacus? And Kirk oh, yeah. Douglas was, was hanging from the cross, and his wife was down there crying. That was Gene Simmons. Not the what? dancer, but, you know, his wife, Gene the, Simmons. Gene the Simmons from Kiss? From, no, uh, oh, no. Kiss. no, no. 
She was she was a, a very look her up. G E she was a very spectacular movie star. And uh, so she was sitting next to me, along with Gene Barry, who you probably don't even know who that is, but he played Bat Masterson. Some of your older viewers will know this. Uh, he was a TV series called Bat Masterson and, and tons of other things. They were both stars in their own right. He more TV, she movie. And she was sitting next to me, smoking, because they allowed it in those days. She was wearing a sheer nylon dress. Well, it doesn't mix caught fire <laughs> oh no and yes and i put it out with my face no i mean oh, I, no. I actually put it out with my hand <laughs> and i saved i Was saved it more like this <laughs> saved her from terrible burns yeah i put it out with my hand and they were so uh indebted to me for that that they they didn't allow pictures on set even back then uh you had to get special permission and um you know i had a camera and they allowed me to get a picture, but I gave it to this guy who was so envious that he shook the camera when he took it. So we we're all blurred. And he later he apologized for it, but the damage was done. So that was. Um, you do not have yeah, yeah. cameras. Yeah. So anyway, that, it was a lot of fun. I, a lot of people on this set that I can't even remember the names were, you know, pretty big names at the time. We got three Perry Mason movies before I left for Hollywood. I left at the end of 88. I got here just in time to see the last game of the World Series where they won. I came into town and 32 years later, there I am. Saw them win again. That was amazing. But anyway, so um, some of the other things I did there, I did a lot of print, like I said. I did uh, a lot of international, national print. Uh, I was with an agent who did that. Denver was the hub of all print. If anybody doesn't know what print is, it's magazines, newspapers, where you're holding up a can of something or, you know, it's a still shot. Mm -hmm. So I worked or for in front some of a car. Pardon? Or in front of a car. When you're doing the Ford, when you did the Ford. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Kind of harder hearing. But um, yeah, I did Ford. Uh, the, they, they brought out a new line of beer called Kellyanne's Red, I believe. So I was their spokesman for that, for course. And then uh, uh, the funny story about not that one, but uh, the other one I did, I was a spokesman for Ford. John Madden, the sportscaster, used to throw his script up in the air. You know, he'd get all animated and <laughs> throw his script up in the air. And I thought, I wonder if I can do that in an audition. So I did it, and I got the Ford spot because nobody had ever done that before. So you got to make uh, yourself notice. Anybody out there that's auditioning for things – don't be timid. Go for it. And, you know, it, it might get you that job. So I threw the script up in the air and, you know, they said, you're the guy that's going to run through the poster. So if anybody remembers back then in the 80s um, where this guy runs through the poster, there's a poster of me and then I run through it and I crashed my own appearance. And then I say, you get cash back. I never reforward in stock. And that, well, that was me. So that ran for quite a while. And so, um, then I, um, I, I went, uh, when I got to Los Angeles, uh, there was something in Backstage West. It was a newspaper at the time. Nothing was digital. It was before computers. And, uh, or just, just right when they began. So uh, it said, we want a Jackie Gleason lookalike. That was my all-time favorite actor. I never did get to meet him. But I thought, I was a little overweight at the time. I was like 70 pounds heavier than I am. 
I thought, I'm going to go and uh, see if I can stack up against some of these big names in Hollywood. You know, because I thought, there's no chance I'm going to get this. Yeah, everybody's so damn good. Because I used to do 22 celebrity voices when I came to town. But I could never get the job because somebody's always just a little bit better, you know, more realistic. So I thought, well, it'd be fun to try. So the, the character's name was Al Purplewood. It's for a movie called A Double D Avenger. And this was my second breakthrough role. This, this movie went international. But when I went for the audition, I again threw the script up in the air <laughs> and just babbled. You know, I knew I knew the lines perfectly. So it wasn't a problem where I had to read or look down or anything. I just, and the director was laughing so hard, he fell over in his chair <laughs> on the floor. And I went to pick him up. And he said, you're the funniest son of a bitch I've ever met in my life. I got women <laughs> coming for callback tomorrow, but screw them. You got the job. So I got cast on the first read. And so that was history. I did over 40 uh, projects with William Winkler after that. Um, most of them uh, Japanese anime because I do voiceovers. But I did two of his features, Double Day Avenger, and then later the horror classic Frankenstein versus the Creature, which was international hit also. That was uh, it won Best Feature at the uh, uh, World Horror Fest. And uh, so that that was by two claims to fame, I guess, we're working with him. And, you know, it was really a great experience. Really so I'm going over your um, your IMDb page here. Uh -huh. And my gosh, it, it it just scrolls and scrolls and scrolls. I used for, to <laughs> forever. I know. Um, tell me, it says here. um Rocky five boxing match attendee. Yeah. Now was, that's, that was is, that, that, is that the end scene or is that one of Tommy Morrison's scenes in a match? Aficionado. Yes, it was right before he, he, uh, he announced that he had AIDS and he never worked again or very little. So, yeah. So and are you on, you get, to, you get to be on camera with that or is that, you just, yeah, I, I got a, a picture with Burt Young who plays his brother-in-law and I was right ringside. So I'm there. Um, I used to tell people I was a towel boy, but that's not true. It, I was actually right at ringside. I was just being funny because I was a lot older in those days. So um, I was uh, probably in my forties when I did that. That was his last uh, time, right? That he did Rocky, his last movie. And uh, that was a, a wonderful experience. I, I shied away. I could have gotten a picture with, uh, with Sly too, but I didn't. Sometimes I, you know, get bashful and it's, it's a curse, you know? Right. <laughs> what can it hurt if you ask? You know, all they can say is no, right? And if you don't ask, it's a no. So and here's another one of my favorite movies, Eagle Eye. Yeah. I, I, I was one of the, uh, what do you call that? Uh, the uh, senators uh, on, the, on, the, on the commission that mm -hmm. went to them to beg for a certain uh, proposal. I was one of the things. But actually, I was so tired and I fell asleep while they were filming. So they, when I woke up, the camera was in my face. So they couldn't part out. But it was kind of like a blooper reel, mm -hmm. so zoomed in on me sleeping while they were actually filming. <laughs> That's funny. 
But, so uh, what, what do you prefer? Do you prefer comedy? Do you prefer doing um, the horror genre? What what genre do you do you prefer to 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 look? And do you do you actually hunt out certain genres to audition for, or are you um, you know like just getting emails saying, "Hey, would you like to be in in this production?" That's a very very good question. I started out in comedy. That's my roots. I'm very good at it. And then uh, in the 80s, I did comedy. In the 90s, I started comedy horror. It's kind of a transition. And then in, in uh, around the 2000, I started doing straight horror, about 2005 and six, <clears throat> um, the classic horror. Um, and then I started into drama uh, about five years ago. So I crossed over. I've done just about every genre except uh, maybe a musical or um, something like that. Uh, I haven't done a romantic comedy or, but um, I, I actually don't, I used to seek things out if I, you know, anything uh, that I thought I could do a good job in because I'm a chameleon. I, you know, everybody asks me, what's G stand for, for G Larry Butler. And I always say, well, it's goofy. Like, you know, I can be a goofy <laughs> or I can be gruesome. So I can be both. Uh, you probably saw it in Downsize, you know, that's my gruesome face. But I've done horror movies that make people's blood run cold because mm -hmm. I channel the actual demon that I'm playing. I, I, I don't fake anything. I don't act. I even hate that word. I, it's reacting. It's transforming. Uh, I'm a transformative actor. And I always used to tell my class when I taught uh, acting that don't fake anything. Feel it. And because the audience will pull away if if they believe that you're faking it, they can see the strings, you know, like you're a, you're a mannequin or something. But mm -hmm. so anyway, um, I I'll do just about anything. But I think any actor worth their chops wants to do something against type, you know, like Jim Carrey. They don't want him to do drama, so he'll do it. And uh, Sly Stallone wanted to do comedy, and even though they didn't like that, they still try it. Well, let me tell you, Oscar. Oscar is one of my favorite movies of all time. Stallone's comedy Oscar is to me is, is hilarious. Just the way, you know, he interacts with, with the, with the rest of the cast who were okay. comedy geniuses, you know, and, and I think he fit right in. I haven't seen that one. I'm talking about the other one he did about the silver saddle or something or what uh, he was, he was like a, cowboy or something uh, oh right 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 yeah uh, no, that's uh ryan was that rhinestone he wants to try other genres and we right. all do. so uh but i prefer i think at the moment uh horror uh just because i'm very good at it but i like drama too because it's a challenge and I've done movies where they wanted me to just play myself. And that's the hardest channel, uh, how, the hardest challenge at all. Because I, uh, you know, the reason I'm an actor, kind of like Robert uh, De Niro said, I'm not comfortable in my own skin. I like play other things. I want to, you know, play other roles, be other people. And so uh, I'm, I'm seeking that. I don't want to play myself. But I did one that's just coming out. It's called It's Just a Game. It's a horror movie. It's about uh, them discovering something that they thought was a game, but it's not really a game. They summon a witch. Uh, it's one of the most gruesome horror movies I've ever been involved in. And I'm playing 
Larry Butler. So uh, <laughs> why can't I be one of the bad guys? So anyway, but it's a good movie. And well, you I, mentioned you mentioned the movie um, Downsized. Um, we actually have a clip um, from the movie, so let's uh, let's give that a, a, a quick roll and um, see what that's about. Mr. Garrity, it's been a real treat working under you. Hell, maybe they'll even hire me as your replacement. But for now, I'm going home to get some goddamn sleep. Sit down, Murphy! Hey, what the f*** did you ask for? Motivation. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, sir? Susie! Left a minute, show the 327. I put an axe to Alex Murphy's pipe. Try to put the axe down, man. What the fuck? You created a very hostile work environment. Mr. Gary, please put down the axe. Productivity slipping. Profits are down. The shareholders are always on my back. I'm under a lot of stress. You won't get away with this. Security is probably on their way up right now. <laughs> I made some cutbacks in security! <laughs> oh, God. oh, God! You f***ing psycho! That wow! That Wasn't shark. that killer? <laughs> At the time, a lot of people were losing their jobs. A lot of people could uh, relate to that. So, anyway, it's one of my favorite short films. So, uh, to get into to get into a part like that, um, is it? You mentioned you you summon the summon the inner demons. Now, is 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 that something like? Does it become easier when you have a? a bloody head in the bag and you're holding an ax and you know, all of a sudden, you know, you can feel what the character is like. Is it easier to, to do it that way? Or do you actually see the character in the script when you're reading it? That's icing on the cake. Actually, I have a lot of venom inside of me because I had a terrible life growing up. I was tormented uh, too much. And so I have a lot of vindictiveness. So I channel it. I don't need therapy anymore. I channel it. I have deep pools of vindictiveness. And uh, I also was in Vietnam three years, so I have PTSD pretty badly. And uh, I pull from all of that. Mm -hmm. I used to have a therapist, fired him. Now you have a director. Don't need him. Mm -hmm. so, you know, one of the things I talk about today is these young kids, they all think it's so cool to wear a mask, you know, before a mask, you know, we're in. Uh, you know, like, don't show expression because that would make you weak. Don't be happy. Don't be sad. Just be blank. And you can't reach them because they can't reach in and dig it out. Now, the older people like us, we have reservoirs of pain and joy and you know, anxiety we can pull from. The problem is trying to reach in and grab it. So in my acting lessons, I used to help them pull it out. And I, I'm very good at that. I'm a method actor. And but I, I don't live with it. I don't go home and scare the family. You know, if I want to roll for two weeks, I can drop it. It's not Val, Val Kilmer who scares everybody in the planet, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can stop it. But at the same when I'm on the set, 
I, I get away from other actors. I'm not being antisocial. I'm just inhabiting that person. And so it's better if I stay away. Right. And that's, the, yeah, that's, that's something that I came across also because I was, I was asked to do um, a voiceover for an Italian film that were, they were dubbing into English. And, it, you know, it was just a lot of, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I really didn't know how to approach it. And then it just so happened that on my YouTube um, uh, recommendations popped up um, uh, Wolverine doing his voiceovers and, you know, him in the studio getting 110% of the character into his growls and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that, do you, like, in when you're getting ready to go on set, do you, do you prep for stuff like that? Or is it, you know, like, you sit in there and go like, time to make some cuts, you know? Do you, you know, is that... <laughs> Uh, that's another great question. I actually do it at home. I'm like uh, Lawrence Olivier. He said, being an actor is like uh, putting extra layers on an onion. You start at the heart and you build out. You know, you, you first inhabit the character, the emotional core, and then you start building the mannerisms and the extra quirks. I like characters with quirks. You know, so you're you're always people are fascinated by people who work for some strange reason. But you have to make it realistic. You know, it has to come from a real place. And then I practice at home. Uh, I even go on auditions in character and uh, with the appropriate clothing. Sometimes they say that's not necessary, but sometimes casting directors have no imagination. And you have to help. But anyway, when I, once I get to the set, it's so locked in that I'm like um, Jack Lemon. He just says, it's magic time. I'm on. And that's it. All I have to do is push the little button right here. Boom. I'm in. And uh, that's all it takes. Did so you ever get a chance to meet Jack Lemon? Pardon? Did you ever I've, get a chance to meet Jack Lemon? I've never worked with him, no, but I've, I've seen him. And I've seen documentaries about him. And he always says, it's magic time. Showtime, whatever, something like that. But um, yeah, it, he's a great, great idol too. And um, Walter Matel, mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah, God, insane. I I love doing stuff like that. I always want to be the slob, you know, not not the <laughs> neat one, but the slobby one. Right. So that's kind that of was, uh, that's a true to life. That was one of my very first uh, auditions. Uh, playing uh, Murray the Cop in the odd couple on, at the, uh, it was in San Antonio, um, a guy who was in a uh, policewoman, can't remember his name offhand now for some reason. Um, but anyway, he had uh, a little playhouse. He eat dinner and watch a play and they were doing the odd couple. I auditioned for that. I wanted to be Oscar. I was going for it. I did that in high school, but then he said, oh, you can play Murray. And it's kind of turned me off, and I wish I did, but I never did. But yeah, Odd Couple was something that I watched Mathal and uh, Lemon doing, and yeah, and you know, following uh, their careers. Um, one of my first films of Jack Lemon uh, mm -hmm. was uh, something like a hot. It's never too late. Mm -hmm. Yep, one man show or get a partner and put it on anywhere. Do theater, community theater. 
You know, if you got the the bug, go for it. Don't stifle it. So <laughs> I just love playing odd characters. And uh, it's like most actors like playing villains because they're more complicated <laughs> and, you know, they're more fun to do uh, rather than the good guy, kind of vanilla character, which I don't like. <laughs> they say, no, play yourself. I'm like, oh, God, do I have to? <laughs> so what do you what do you think about um, uh, this being the geek and I uh, we're into like pop culture and stuff. What do you. What do you think about the like the Marvel Universe films and the DC stuff and all the superhero genre that's that's out there? Do you are you do you the, go the Scorsese route and say, well, that's not really movie making, or is it is it you know a, a matter of you know what make what your heart tells you to make, and you'll find an audience, and who cares if you know person X doesn't like it, person Y was is gonna love it. I'm kind of on the fence on that. Uh, on one hand, I love anything to do with the Marvel Universe because I used to collect the, the comics. I still have a lot of them from when I was a kid, and I haven't sold them. Uh, I have the original Iron Man and, you know, some of the other ones. And and uh, I, I want you to do the movies. I love the movies, but I want them to have heart and soul and uh, conflict resolution. You've got plenty of that. I want relationships. That's what's missing in a lot of today's movies. They have a lot of bang, boom, everything blowing up, but no heart. And I, I want you to have the relationship. And the, that's what real life's all about. A lot of people go, they, they get a vicarious thrill out of watching the actors uh, emote because they're emotionally constipated and you're helping them. <laughs> no, no, it's true. But um, so I just add a little bit more relationship driven scenes. And you've got a winner there. And some of the early ones didn't have a lot of that. I think mm -hmm. now they're catching on. Uh, some of the older people want to see that. And they'd probably come too. Right now, the demographic's skewed a little bit to the younger people. Well, that's that's what I found about um, the latest, you know, the, the, the big one that was out a couple of years ago, uh, Avengers Endgame, was the first, I mean, it's three hours long, mm -hmm. but the, the first hour and a half, there's really nothing that happens except these characters suffering through the results of their failure in, in the movie before. And to me, that's what made that movie, the, you know, I could see the, you know, the, the, the big, you know, battle scene at the end. Like you could see that coming from, you know, the, the lobby when you're buying your popcorn, but it's the emotion of the, of the characters having to wrestle with their failure from the last movie and knowing that half the universe has been snapped away, you know, how do you resolve something like that? And I find myself ever since then kind of shying away from big blockbuster movies and, and watching these, like I was watching, um, I, I can't for the life of me remember the name of it now, but it was a Chris Evans movie that came out, I think earlier this year where it's, it's just him and, um, this woman trying to find her pocketbook. Um, and it was just two, two people walking down the street acting and it was fantastic. Uh -huh. yeah. Slice of life. Yeah. I am. Um, I, I, I don't even go to theaters anymore. Some people, because people don't shut up and everybody's got a cell phone and you see the light and they talk and they eat. And so I watch them at home in front of my own movie theater. Um, so I, I, 
I used to get in a lot of almost fist fights with people. Just like, could you please, oh, screw you, you know, and oh. so I just, uh, I, I, I really lock in when I watch a movie as an actor. I really become part of the story. I, I'm not even aware of my surroundings. So when somebody disrupts that, it makes me very angry. And I guess some of you out there can relate to that. Uh, so that's why I, I just stopped going to movie theaters. I've got a 15-year-old daughter, so once in a while, I will go with her and suffer through it. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I'd rather just watch it, you know, in front of my television or whatever. Right, yeah. My son and I would, we would, you know, it was every year Marvel came out, you know, we would be at the theater together. But now he's, you know, he's out, he's in the Marines. I don't have anybody to go to the movies with anymore. So I'm going to wait until it's at home mm-hmm. and I can put it on my projector. Exactly. You know, 110 inches, you know, when you're sitting three feet away from it, it's, it's pretty good, pretty good size. And, you know, I, I enjoy it much more because I can, I, I know the bathroom's clean. I know. <laughs> I, know, I know the popcorn is hot and whose hands it have been in it. Right. So you can you know, pause it when you want to, right? You don't miss anything. Right. You, can, back, you know, and re- well, I miss something. I go back and see it again. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. You know, so fight. One of the things I've been doing lately, I don't know if you did a VR thing yet, uh, but I got my phone. It came with a free VR unit. And I put the headphones on and the, uh, you know, phone inside the VR unit. And there's a movie theater mode. And I swear to you, um, it's just like being in the movie theaters. You're looking around. It's like wow. And then you're all, you're by yourself because it's all empty theater. And it's like having your own personal movie theater by yourself. And one of the first things I decided to do was watch Psycho because you know, wow. master himself. You know, I had to see that by myself in a lone movie theater because I never did that before. You're a brave man, Jeff. <laughs> I would have been like this the whole time. <laughs> like you hear a noise behind you, like. I did look around a couple of times out just natural instinct (laughs) well um, anything anything coming up in the in the future you mentioned uh, the Courtney Gaines movie Um, that just that was wrapped I I assumed right yeah Bleeding Dark uh, directed by Jason Hawkins it's fantastic great crew great cast Uh, couldn't ask for a better time beautiful scenery I think that's one of the stars of the film, kind of like Legends of the Fall, you know, with a beautiful scenery. And uh, it's just one of these great, uh, well, I can't, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, if Jeff was talking about Psycho, well, it's along that line, some something like that. But you'll love it when you see it. So anyway, uh, there's a great, um, a great couple of actors coming up, uh, probably unknown at this time. First one, Sebastian, forgot his last name, but, you go to IMDb, and uh, he's a great kid. Um, he plays the son. Um, Courtney plays the father. And uh, I was a deputy sheriff in that movie, so another good guy. But it's, it's worth it. Really is. I, I did another one. I did several with James Balsamo, if you're familiar with that name. We're doing one now called Hollywood Werewolf, which I just love. His wry sense of humor. And uh, it's about an actor who becomes a werewolf. I play this sleazy manager, and I also play the sax at the same time. So I had to dust out my saxophone. I used to be a really good sax player in high school 50 years ago. And uh, he said, get it out and learn a couple of songs. So I did. 
And uh, we were, I was playing my sax at one o'clock in the afternoon downtown at this big apartment building where he lives. We're outside in the lawn area in front. This guy comes out of the building screaming and yelling, you woke us all up, what the hell is wrong with you? And he pointed at me, and that guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't used to suck, but... <laughs> But I guess it's when, it's when you say, no, sir, it's a saxophone. I blow. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. <laughs> anyway, he was ready to fight somebody, and James almost got in with it. But yeah, they almost duped it out. But, um, you know, I had to agree. I, I'm not very good anymore. But it was the thought, that's actually what James wanted. This guy wasn't very good, but he plays it anyway, you know. <laughs> and that's part of the fun. And he only knows two songs. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing an owl. He's at night when the moon is full and the werewolves killing everybody. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. And, uh, recently I did a scene with Andy Dick, if you're familiar with him. And, uh, so that's kind of cool. And, uh, so he's going to play the werewolf. Um, it's going to be a great movie. And then there's some other ones coming up. I, I just got back from, um, uh, clown motel two, uh, in Nevada at this, uh, Tonopah, and then later on down near Boulder City in Nevada, in this cave system, I play the uh, the ritual uh, ritual clown. I can think it's called, but it's like the high priest of the clowns. I'm very satanic, and I made up my own prayer. I wrote it out and performed it. It was a mixture of English, Latin, and Gaelic, and came out really well. So I can't wait to see the movie on that. And uh, so uh, there's some other ones coming up. Uh, I'm going to be in um, another James Balsamo movie. And then uh, Bill um, uh, Victor Ayrkan is, is going to be a um, uh, producer on a film. And trying to figure out uh, what some of these are. But uh, they're not on IMDb yet, but uh, I haven't done them uh, yet either. It's next next month. Right. So, well, we had Bill on the show a couple of weeks back talking about his uh you probably it's, know what it is. It's, it's, it's anger, coming up. Uh, uh, anyway, alien anger or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something about aliens. Yeah, so they tagged me to do that. I don't know what the role is yet. Uh, and then there's another one called Appetite for Sin. It's my first vampire movie. I've never done one. I, I'm doing currently a comedy about vampires called uh, The Vamps Next Door. I play the old man. I play an 85-year-old neighborhood watch guy who spies on everybody with binoculars. And he's kind of like Barney Fife. He shovels around and tells people, you know, your lawn's too tall. And so he finds out there's vampires living next door. And so it's kind of funny. So he's, he's the, uh, the lead of the HOA. Something like that. Yes, yes, yes. Trying to you know force everybody to live to standards and, you know, and uh, of course, I'm quite shocked that there's vampires, but and they kill just about everybody. Every they make everybody vampires except for me so far. There's all, always each each series, uh, each episode. There's a new vampire added to the list. But uh, so I'm 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 doing that, but I've never done a serious one like a horror movie about a vampire. So this would be fun. I played oh. a police captain in that oh. one. We uh, we we thank you for coming uh, on today and uh, discussing all your history and your upcomings and uh, you know the uh, wh whenever you have a, the, your next project coming out to release, we'd love to have you back to uh, to talk about it. Um, Thanks for having me. You know, and if there's anything you ever wanna you know you wanna discuss or 
you know, you need to get uh, off your chest or, you know, just feel like uh, shooting a breeze with a couple of geeks, uh, you know, get in contact with Jeff or I, you know, and uh, Jeff or me, and we'll, we'll, we'll be happy to, to sit down and, and talk the history of film. Yeah, we just scratched the surface, so there's a lot of things I could talk yeah. about. I have things that don't even relate to acting. You know, like I, I'm a mountain climber. I was a skydiver for 30 years, and I do a lot of things. I was a spelunker. I was a scuba diver and did all those things. Love dangerous, uh, adrenaline-fueled things like that. So, Well, that's the, that's the point of the show. Now, it's called the geek and I, but the, the way I phrase geek is – Anything that anybody is passionate about and you geek over, it could be your pets, it could be the watch that you're wearing, you know, if you have a watch collection or, you know, you love cars, you like comedy, you, you know, you like to, to cook. It's anything that anybody would geek over and it's not, you know, it's not pointed directly at, at comics and, and movies and superheroes and stuff like that. So we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to, to spend a few minutes with us and, and introduce you to our uh, our audience, and um, we look forward to uh, you know getting together again very very soon. Thank you very much, sir. Jeff, you want to say anything? A pleasure. Yeah, great having me. Thanks. I, I appreciate you, sir, for crossing pathways with you because it wasn't for you and our pathways crossing, I wouldn't be where I'm at currently because of the inspiration you give. Um, you touch my heart in a way that I can't begin to say, but thank you, sir, for everything you've given me, especially your friendship and kindness. Oh, likewise. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Well, thank you, sir. We appreciate this. G. Larry Butler, everybody, on the Geek and I podcast uh, with John and Jeff. Uh, just a reminder, we are part of the Geek News Now podcast network. Visit them online at geeknewsnow.net for everything in the news uh, that is all geeky and uh, uh, no clickbait. So you don't have to worry about, um, you know, just random emails and text messages. It's a very, very safe web website to go to to uh, to geek out, geeknewsnow.net. We are uh, sponsored by Sumner Twins Talent. You can find them online at facebook.com slash Sumner Twins. And we are also sponsored by Metallic Dice Games. Go to metallicdicegames.com for everything you need for your gaming experience. Use code GNN at checkout and save 10%. And you can find me and Jeff on Facebook at facebook.com slash the geek and I podcast slash geek and I podcast. And uh, Jeff, tell them what other channels that you are available on uh, online. If um, folks wanted to check out some of your other stuff. Well, always go to the collector zone. That's where my passion of collecting in all sorts of ways takes place. And I do also have my after show on that channel as well for the geek and I, so join, right. me on, join me on that show for that. All right. Yes, the Geek and I after the show show with uh, Jeff Dickinson. That will be premiering um, a little bit later um, on the Collector Zone YouTube channel. You can just Google Collector Zone um, YouTube and it should take you right there. So for this episode of the Geek and I podcast, I am John Captain John Luke Picard. And who are you in, in the... Oh, I am just a evil, evil dude that loves pop culture. So, as always, we'll catch you in the next one.